That's really nice. Thank you very much. <clears throat> that's, as I've mentioned before, that's exactly how I get greeted when I come home and, and Kathy's there. She stands up and applauds. <laughs> it's awesome. <clears throat> Bob's series, I think, uh, is a really important one. Why we do what we do. And last week, Bob spoke about prayer. <clears throat> and how the zeal of the Lord was in Jesus. His zeal was to see his house be a house of prayer. Well, today's topic is worship. And our text is going to be Revelation chapter 1. And the whole goal of today's message is to give you a taste of something that's way bigger than I can possibly explain. But my hope is, is that if you get just a taste of it, just a taste, that uh, your appetite will be whetted to go further up and further in. But first, a very famous story. So uh, Albert Einstein was... Uh, honored by Time Magazine as the man of the century of 20th century. And he's the one that figured out E equals MC squared, and he figured out that the faster you go, the more time compresses and all of that. Well, he was on a train traveling from Princeton, New Jersey. And uh, as he was traveling, the conductor came through the car and began punching tickets. So he came to Dr. Einstein, and Einstein couldn't find his ticket. He looked in his vest pocket, couldn't find the ticket. Looked in his trousers, no ticket. Looked in his briefcase, ticket wasn't there. He looked on the seat beside him, no ticket. And the conductor said, don't worry, Dr. Einstein. We know who you are. Uh, I'm sure you've purchased a ticket. Don't worry about it. So the and he said, thank you very much. Conductor walked, walked further through the train uh, car and just before going into the next car, turned around and saw Dr. Einstein on the floor looking for his ticket. So the conductor came back and, and said, Dr. Einstein, we know who you are. Don't worry about it. We know that you've paid for a ticket. And Einstein said to him, young man, I... I too know who I am. What I don't know is where I'm going. <laughs> and so, <clears throat> the book of Revelation tells us what train we're on, where it's going, and what's happening along the way. It's the last book of the Bible. It's the last word on God. It's the last word on history. It's the last word on everything that matters. And the last word on worship. It's, we could say it's the last word on why we do what we do. So here's the text, Revelation chapter 1, uh, verses 1 through 8. Let me read it to you. The revelation from Jesus Christ, which God gave him to show his servants what must soon take place. He made it known by sending his angel to his servant John, who testifies to everything he saw 
That is the word of God and the testimony of Jesus Christ. Blessed is the one who reads aloud the words of this prophecy, and blessed are those who hear it and take to heart what is written in it because the time is near to the seven churches in the province of Asia. Grace and peace to you from him who is who was and is to come, and from the seven spirits before his throne, and from Jesus Christ, who is the faithful witness, the firstborn from the dead, and the ruler of the kings of the earth. To him who loves us and has freed us from his, our sins by his blood and has made us a kingdom and priests to serve his God and Father. To him be glory and power forever and ever. Amen. Look, he is coming with the clouds, and every eye shall see him, even those who pierced him. And all peoples on earth will mourn because of him. So shall it be. Amen. I am the Alpha and the Omega, says the Lord God, who was and is and who is to come, the Almighty. That's the word of God. And so, so much preaching, at least in my preaching over all the years, so much of it has been um, like, all right, here's the text. Here's what it means. Now go do it. It's left brain kind of preaching. But Revelation isn't like that. In fact, Revelation, uh, like the rest of the New Testament, is written in the Greek language, the language of the day. And uh, the, the, the book title is Apocalypse. Apocalypse. That just means unveiling. It just means opening up. It means revealing. We see behind the scenes what's going on in the world actually right now. And so reading Revelation is an experience. Um, we feel things, taste things. There's even eating books in Revelation, shouting trumpets, horsemen, beasts, dragons, battles, victories, seals, earthquakes, and fire. Revelation is a noisy book. And, and it's just like the rest of the Bible, all the way from Genesis to Jude, all these other symbols, fire and smoke and, and uh, chariots of fire and all these things. What's interesting is in Revelation, there are 404 verses, but 515 allusions to the rest of the Bible. There's actually almost nothing new in the book of Revelation. But those who, and those who read it would know when they see this and this and this, they would be reminded of that in the Old Testament. God was at work there. God was at work there. And they would be hearing, God's at work now. All this is a way of saying that God actually does things on planet Earth. God is actually involved in your life. And in mind, God is actually pulling 
the strings of the universe. And if and when you see this, when you just get a glimpse of this, and you're encouraged by it, well, you will have, you have worshiped. Last week, Pastor Bob um, gave this great example of prayer, where in Revelation chapter 8, your prayers are so precious to God that it's like they're in a golden bowl, and the golden bowl is lifted up to heaven, and it's like incense going up to heaven, and, and heaven's silent, uh, so that your God can pay attention to your prayers. But then, but then, the prayers are thrown over the ramparts of heaven and come down to earth as a powerful thunder. Our prayers are heard by God and acted upon by him. And then in Revelation, there are all these crazy numbers, sevens and sixes. And so seven is the perfect number of God. And then you take seven, 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 you've got like perfection. And then the number of humans is six. That's one less than we are the unholy ones. Seven is the holiness of God. And then you get six, six, six. That's like the superlative of six. That's like, um, that's like evil. And so here in Revelation, we see us sixes, our unholiness worshiping God's holiness, and we see the holiness and greatness of God absorbing our unholiness right into himself. And if you ever get a taste of that, you have worshiped. And then there's, then there's uh, 12s, 12 uh, um, tribes of Israel, and then there are 12 apostles, and 12 times 12 is 144. That's like the whole Old and New Testament. And then you multiply times 10, that's a lot. And another 10, that's a whole lot. And then another 10, that's a lot of people. 144,000, and that's like, wow, the salvation of God is so huge. And when we begin to get that, that that cross and resurrection brings this giant salvation for the cosmos, really, we've begun to worship. And we begin to see that Jesus, at the center of it all, when you begin to taste that and see that, that's that the center holds, and that that's the, that's the foundation of, of, of our future on planet Earth, we've begun to worship. I'll tell you, I love the Lord of the Rings. I actually read, I think I'm gonna read the book. I've watched the movie. <laughs> I think I'm, because somebody I really respect, and I forget his name, <laughs> said that the Lord of the Rings is one of the great books ever written. So I think I should read it. But in it, there's Frodo living his nice hobbit comfortable life. And if you've seen the Lord of the Rings, the Hobbit world is really nice and neat and clean. All the grass is mowed. The uh, gardens are edged. It's, it's my kind of life. And Frodo is really happy in his Hobbit life. But along comes Gandalf. And Gandalf says, there's more going on than you know. And in fact, Frodo, 
you have been called to be in on it. And Frodo says, no, I like my little hobbit life, which is a big part of me. And, and then Gandalf leaves. But then Frodo just up, runs out of his, his uh, little hobbit house, and he says, I'm going on an adventure. At that moment, Frodo has begun to worship because he's allowed himself to become part of the big story that's bigger than himself. Romans chapters 1 through uh, 11 tell us the great story of God's salvation. And then comes Romans 12, 1, which says, all right, now that that's all true, here's what I want you to do, God helping you. Take your everyday ordinary life, your sleeping, eating, going to work, and walking around life, place it before God as an offering. That is your spiritual act of worship. You're in the story, and God is using you and me as a character in this story of God to defeat Mordor. To defeat Mordor, to, to bring God's purposes about on planet Earth, that's worship. Listen to this, we already read it, Revelation 1.6. God has made us to be a kingdom and what? Priests. To serve God and his Father to the glory and power forever and ever. Now, you may not feel like a priest. And you may feel lost in this big world of yours and mine. But if you begin to feel it and sense it, that there's something bigger going on in the world, and that you have been called, just like the Bible says, to be a priest. A priest is a connector of other people to God. That's our big call that comes to us in worship. John, who wrote this, he's on the prison, he's in prison uh, alone on this island called Patmos. And he's on the Lord's Day and he's caught up in God. And it must be a dreary life off on this island all by yourself. And, uh, but his dreary, painful, oh, do it over and again, day after day life isn't the real story. There's a battle going on, it's intense, it's happening right now, and the revelation opens the, the, the curtains so we can see what's happening right now. And the message for us, in Revelation, we see the story that we are in. We begin to feel ourselves elevated beyond ourselves into a story into which you and I have been written. And when we become more occupied with that story, we don't lose our own story. Our own story gains its significance. So, if you've ever gone home from a church service and feel like, all right, you just had a taste of the call to be a priest to your wife, 
my job is to connect her to God. And, or to be a father, to connect my children to God. Or to be a neighbor, to be the kind of neighbor that somehow others think maybe God's real. Or to be that kind of a person at work. Uh, or to be that kind of person to my father or mother or, or whatever. Then, if we've had that, then my life begins to make sense. I have my place in the world and I've begun right now in this life to live the life that will be uh, in the next world. Now, here's something about the book of Revelation. Sometimes less analysis is better. Imagination is good. Sometimes, and I've done this, you take a text, and this means this, and that means that, and that means that, and it's a living text, and as I do this, I kill it, and I'm performing an autopsy on a text I've just killed. So we have to be careful. We need imagination. So Kathy and I used to take, here in the neighborhood, and we still do it in Salzburg, take a wonder walk. If you go out at Christmas and the snow is falling and you look around the neighborhood and you see these beautiful lights and, and, and you walk around, oh, that's gorgeous, that's gorgeous, wow. Have you ever done that? Well, you're, you need, you've got a long way to go. And <laughs> the worst thing to do is when you're taking your wonder walk Instead of being enraptured by it, wow, there's a light bulb out over there. Wonder how they wired that, AC, DC, and we kill it. What we need to do is just be there. Like in singing, uh, uh, singers, I love that first song. Um, I'm going to go home and look it up. Um, Kathy, Kathy, that was a great first song. I wish you were here. I shouldn't have said that. I should not have said that, should I? So uh, anyway, <laughs> but when you sing, just let the words do their work. Just let the melody do its work. Just be. Don't analyze it or try to figure it out. Let go of evaluation. In, in, we just read it. Blessed are those who read aloud or sing aloud and hear and take to heart what is written. Just take it to heart. And, and here we are as a church. In Revelation, the church is called a lampstand. And there's seven lampstands. And seven is this complete number which means all the lamps. He's talking about all the churches in the world, including you and me. And uh, there was something wrong with each one of these lampstands. In Ephesus, they had lost their first love. In Pergamum, no, they weren't living any different from unbelievers. And in Thyatira, uh, they were just giving in to the world's values. And in Sardis, uh, their reputation was good, but they were dead. And in Laodicea, they don't even need God. They are self-sufficient. These are unpolished lampstands. They're messy. Churches are messy. But here's the message. Jesus is walking among the lampstands. Did you know that? Jesus is walking among us right 
now. Jesus, the author and redeemer and savior of planet Earth, is right here with you and me. And John sees it. He's, his hair is white, which means pure. His eyes are blaming, blazing, uh, purifying you and me. And um, he's, got a, he's got a robe, so he's the priest reaching across time and space, forgiving us, connecting us right now. And feet, you know what feet of clay are? His feet are of bronze. They hold, and the center holds. And he holds the seven stars. Those are the seven planets that they knew of. Jesus holds the cosmos in his hands. That Jesus is right here with you and me. And if that gives you pause or a chill, you've begun to worship. And the churches needed to hear this because... They were being persecuted. And they get this letter, and they read it, and my life is a mess, but the center holds. When you're in trouble, and you see the world falling apart, and there's discouragement, and divorce, and parenting problems, and failures, and all these things, the last word on God, the last word on the world says worship. Jesus determines the destiny of the world. And I think we live in a world right now more divided than ever. We are divided on social issues, cultural issues, political issues, class issues, race issues, economic issues. We don't trust each other. And the other is the enemy. And it looks like the center doesn't hold. So what do we do? The final word on God says, worship. Because when I worship God, I'm not doing this. I'm not trying to fix the divides by hit, miss, hit, miss. No, it's the triangle. I'm along the base, and if I'm worshiping God and you're worshiping God, we end up getting closer to God, we end up getting closer to each other. Did you know... Did you know that if you're a Republican, I'll bet you, maybe within arm's length, you're sitting next to a Democrat? <laughs> and as a Democrat, you may be sitting next to a Republican, and a pro-lifer may be sitting next to a, a pro-choicer right here in this room. Then did you know there are people who wear masks and others who say no mask right here in this room? And what's, what's the solution? He doesn't give us a solution. All right, here's the problem. Let's fix it. He says, worship. And we all become one as we release our issues and focus on, the, on God. And by the way, what happens when John sees Jesus? He falls on his feet as though dead. And if that's ever happened to you, when you feel the holiness of God, the unholiness of yourself, and you fall, oh no, I have no hope, you've begun to worship. And then, the great thing, Jesus reaches down to John, puts his hands on him, and says, don't be afraid. 
He says, don't be afraid. I'm the first. I'm the last. I hold the keys to death and Hades. You who feel so unworthy, you are of incredible worth. And when you get that, you've worshiped. I've had this feeling, maybe you have. You get caught up in the song, caught up in the text, caught up in God, and suddenly you, you don't even know you exist anymore. You forget you've lost yourself. And, and it's like not knowing you exist, not thinking about whether I'm happy or sad. I'm, I'm caught up in God. And then when I'm not aware of myself, I'm happier than I ever am when I'm aware of myself. You're caught up into eternal life in those moments, and that eternal life is Jesus Christ. And I, I have to say this, and I'm sorry, I'm probably too long, but I have to say this. Um, the hope of the world is Jesus Christ, and the body of Christ, you, the church, is the body of Christ, is Jesus. You and I are cells in this body of Jesus, who is the hope of the world. You know what that means to me? The hope of the world exists in the millions of churches all around planet Earth worshiping God. You, as a priest, are called to be a part of the, the hope of the world. I, I hope that gives you chills. Finally, when Jesus wanted to explain to his disciples why Jesus did what he did and why we do what we do, he did not give a lecture, he did not give a theory, he gave a meal. He gave the bread of Christ, he gave the bread, uh, which is his body. He gave the, the wine, which is his blood. He gave a meal. And that bread and that wine right there is the, the whole history of the world happens in communion. The past is right there. Jesus the creator of planet earth and forgiver of all people who died before the creation of the world. He created you and saved you before the creation of the world. And then when you come up to receive communion and the server gives you the bread or gives you the juice and that server looks you in the eye and you look that server in the eye and you receive the bread and the juice, the Christ in you connects with the Christ in the other person and the connection is made and the, there's been a priesthood action and Jesus is present. Jesus is present then. And then at our church, what we do is we form a circle and we sing a song, and we can look at each other. And when we have that happen, the consummation 
of all things is, is uh, previewed, where the entire world, it may be a little church, it may be a big church, it may be, but once, once we have seen, received Christ and, and connected with each other, it's just like Ephesians 1.10 says, one day the whole world will uh, be unified under the lordship of Jesus Christ. Christ all in all. And at that moment, we've glimpsed reality. So, in the end, in worship, we see the hope of the world and that the center holds. Let's continue to worship. stand with us as we prepare to sing our last song.
to him who is able to do exceedingly more than anything that you can hope or imagine. To him be glory in the church and in Jesus Christ throughout all generations forever and ever. Amen. God bless you. Have a great week. You are worthy of it Thank you.
be 